We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Thursday morning. It's November 30th. I've got Britt Robson here with me today who just wrote a column on the impact of Anthony Edwards thus far this season. Check that out over at minpost.com. Britt, I think it's kind of perfect timing for that column because this evening, uh, Wolves Jazz, it seems they're going to play their first game without uh, Anthony Edwards this season, who he's listed as doubtful after crashing the floor there, right hip pointer. Uh, you started your column kind of running through the numbers of how much better this Wolves team has been with Ant on the floor versus Ant off the floor. Huge gap, uh, obviously. But there's kind of like, there's two factors, right, that impact the size of one of those gaps. It's how well a team plays with a player on the floor, what they're doing then. And that other side of like, a gap doesn't need to be huge and a player could still be playing really well, right? There's right. a, there's a well, big deal here. Uh, well, like Tatum, for example, has, uh, I think it's like uh, over 11 points better. Okay. Uh, in other words, his net rating is over 11, 11.8, 11, I think, plus 11.8. Mm-hmm. But when he's off the court, the Celtics are plus 3.1. Hmm. So um, if you take the net on-off, he's really eight points better for his team when he plays versus when he sits. Some of that is depth, of course. Some of that is uh, cohesion, whatever. But um, Ant is significant both ways. Ant is extremely helpful to the team's success when he's on the court. And when he is off the court, the team has a lot of trouble, especially on offense, trying to figure out how to play well enough to keep him on. And I think what's most impressive is that they're 14 and four <laughs> yeah, or whatever, 13 and four, I guess, but yeah. whatever it is, they, they have one of the three best records in basketball. And this guy means his, his net on off, which is the stat. I don't know if it's, it's a thing. I, I calculated it, uh, mm-hmm you know, longhand or whatever. But at the end of the day, 20 and a half points per 100 possessions is the value 
of Ant on the floor versus Ant off the floor and how the Wolves have played through the first 17 games. And it's not, you know, that it's, yeah, it's still a small sample size. We're a fifth of the way through the season. Um, but it's, it's 600 minutes, you know, 600 minutes. It's not, uh, not nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's held pretty much all season. I think I was tempted to, you know, headline it or whatever, that Ant might be the most underrated player on the Wolves. Hmm. I mean, we'll make the case. Well, or make I the think, counter cases, I guess. Like I, I don't think that's like a. I mean, it's him or Rudy, right? Like that's yeah. I mean, well, it. I mean, I, I think that a lot of, or you know, you could say Conley, you could say Slomo. There's a lot of people who uh, contribute to the Wolves' secret sauce mm-hmm. that that has been different this year, but. Ant has always been more glitz than substance. It's not a knock against him. He's young. And uh, some of the things he didn't do, a lot of the little things that contribute to winning in the past. And I think that's more than anything else in this column. What I wanted to point out was that Ant's presence on the floor and his attitude towards his teammates and the way he conducts himself within the roster framework, both in the locker room and on the court, are all winning atmospheres. Right. He, he is creating a leadership atmosphere of winning that is obviously influenced by, you know, the, the savvy vets they've brought in. But they can't do what Ant does. They can't magnetize the floor like he does. They can't... Uh, be the person they can't be the alpha in the room saying that guy my teammate is great you know uh and so and and they can't anybody's played sports even a little bit i played a little bit i haven't played a lot but if a guy is phenomenally better than almost anybody else what they say and do matters within the context of a team and and the fact that Ant has been able to clean up the little stuff that were flaws in his game and also remain not only a level-headed, cool guy, but somebody who willingly, I mean, when he and Cat are on the floor, there's no dissension there in terms of who hogs the ball, who doesn't, who takes shots, who doesn't. A tribute to Cat on that too, as well as Ant. But mm-hmm. the point being is that it is, I know these are silly debates, but it is Ant's team. And and he is the, the straw that stirs the drink on this team, as all the cliches, whatever, you know, pick a cliche. But at the end of the day, his improvement across the board, I mean, he's gotten better every year with assists, rebounds, whatever. But at the end of the day, what we're seeing is a 22-year-old kid creating one of the best teams in the NBA. So a couple things off of that. I one, like this is going to get stress tested tonight, right? In are they actually as bad as they've been with Ant off the floor, with Ant off the floor for a for a whole game. And I think that's a kind of interesting conversation let's have in a second. Um but I I, I want to talk about where we were at in our heads with Ant coming into the season versus where we're at today. And, you know, it's our job. So we're just focusing on Anthony Edwards significantly more than 
even really smart basketball people who kind of started locking in on him during FIBA in in the summertime. And it became, and you wrote this in your column, it became this not even like assumption, but kind of like a given after FIBA that Ant was a top 15 player in the NBA now. And you know, he didn't we, merit that at the time. And, and and but you had to kind of not to be like that guy, you had to be watching and you had to know right, like right, right. But, but you kind of did, right? Like you you put it you put it in your season preview column that Ant's next leap requires um, upgrading some of the subtle but damaging flaws in his game. And, and you know, so we kind of came into this season being like, all right, he's going to be another year older, but there are some subtle but damaging flaws in his game. Like, to be that 15, top 15 player in the league that a lot of people are presuming he is, not all of those need to be taken care of, but a lot of them, and I think probably – frankly or honestly, uh, more than we thought he could just do right away at the beginning of the season. And and he absolutely has. And, and we could talk about some what some of those subtle flaws uh, were. But I didn't think Anthony Edwards was a top 15 player in the NBA coming into this season. Right. And, and I know because I actually really thought about that as I was kind of running some numbers on all NBA and going through it because – it's literally 15, right? That's how 15 best 15 players make all NBA this season. That equals like 45 million more dollars for Ant. Um, but he is. I, I I think it's fair to say at this point of the season, he is a top 15 player. I looked up estimated win shares. He's 14th thus far on the season. And honestly, that probably undersells a lot of some of the other numbers or just the eye test of what we're watching night to night, which you're kind of highlighting. Um, in your column. So I think it's worth talking about what it, what has he removed from his game and, and I guess simultaneously added. What, what is sticking out most to you there? I think what is sticking out most for me is uh, his commitment to focusing play to play. Um, I didn't wind up with enough room to write this in my piece, but there were a lot of there's a lot of footage and even some memes about Ant standing around his first year or two in the league. Yeah. Just, you know, if he wasn't going, if he wasn't going to get the ball, he was just going to wait, you know, and that doesn't happen now. I mean, mm-hmm. if you watch, Ant is moving a lot and, and also um, has learned how to engage on a team wide level. And the only way that that really happens is when you buy into team schemes. I don't think he was bought into team schemes enough to be a good team player. Um, if, you, if you're not dedicated to the scheme on defense um, or you don't know how to execute the scheme because it's frustrating and you're already doing a lot of other things well and you're young, um, then those things kind of fall by the wayside. If you ask me what I think his biggest improvement has been, it's that he's been culling information from guys like Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert, listening to them seriously, listening to what Finch has to say as a coach, and then putting it into practice. Uh, He's always said he's been motivated by winning, and everybody who's ever been associated with him says he's a really hard worker who wants to win, and I think this was the year, this offseason was the year where he, I think it was his put up or shut up moment to himself. 
And and that's what I see evident on the court. I see a team player who also understands that sometimes he's just going to go out and get his the third quarter the other night in OKC, uh, you know, 11 straight points when they were down eight coming into the half, coming into the second half. Uh, that type of thing he can do. But then there's also driving the length of the court, having three guys around him, whipping the pass out to Nas Reed in the corner for a wide open tray. That probably would have happened last year. But when Nas clanked the, the tray, getting up between two Thunder players and keeping the ball alive, yeah. tipping the ball so that Nas gets the ball, that's the kind of play that didn't happen last year. And that, that I think, to me, is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about focus and teamwork. I, I'll add something to the, the teamwork element of this. And this is like a really small anecdote from the from the last game. But what I think I'm most surprised about is not Ant understanding what his own subtle flaws were and accommodating some of those getting better in those areas like i mean i'm impressed by that but what i really didn't expect and i've noticed a handful of these is he seems to understand what the weaknesses of the group are and the, the areas in which the team uh, gets exposed and kind of going out of his way as a leader to, you know, point that out or uh, accommodate for those things. And this is super simple, basic, but the, the wolves are shooting free throws. I think it was Rudy was shooting. So, so cat is down there to get the offensive rebound on the, on the free throw attempt, which, you know, probably going to do when, when Rudy's going and what the thunder always do is they send their two guys, back to the opposite corners over there and uh, Rudy shooting the second free throw and Ant starts yelling to Cat, who's guarding uh, like Case and Wallace or something at the time because Cat's guarding Smalls, often maybe right. Jalen Williams. I, I don't know. But he's guarding somebody who's not down getting the rebound and Ant's like, yo, your guy is back here in, in the corner. I got the other corner guy. You got this one. Rudy takes the free throw. Cat doesn't go for the offensive rebound and immediately sprints back to that corner uh, because Ant alerted him to that. Normally, right. and it would be understandable, Cat might go for that offensive rebound. And then whether OKC grabs that defensive rebound or just grabs it out of the net, they go push and they run Cat up off the floor. Baseball or, pass, right. Exactly. It's the it's the hit-ahead pass. And it actually went to Cat's side and Cat was there to – to stop the action, they swung it. Somebody else, uh, you know, missed like a missed a jumper, and the Wolves secure the rebound there. And I think that's like, I think literally, if Ant doesn't do that, the Thunder get two points and whatever. Like, I mean, two points matter. It's not it does world, matter, but it, it, it matters. But there's also a crushing impact to those like we're out of position. Um, our roster construction is weird, so we're cross-matched. I mean, that was such a staple of the beginning of last season where there just wasn't that awareness from Ant or Cat or anyone that was like, hey, we need to be super attentive to this stuff. And for the 22-year-old kid, again, it's just a small little thing, but he was the one who saw it. He alerted Cat to it, and Cat was like, yep, and he sprinted uh, right back the, the other way. And, and that's one of the biggest – or was one of the biggest flaws of this team – a season ago was obviously transition defense when, when the two bigs were on the floor. So 
I think it's that stuff for me that that I'm most impressed with by Ant. I thought we would always see some internal uh, progression from him, but to do it as a leader and for the group as a whole, yeah, that's uh, that's big time. Well, and also he has, and we've seen it. He's gotten better on defense every year, but they haven't been leaps. You know, this year I think has been the most significant leap in that uh, I think the Wolves' best defense within on the court prior to this year was two years ago when they were giving up like 110 points or whatever it is, mm-hmm. maybe 111. I can't remember what I, what I wrote. It was 110.6, I think. Okay, 110.6. Okay, so right now it's 104.6. And you would say, oh, yeah, well, you know, that's because Rudy's doing his thing and everybody and the Wolves have a top defense in the NBA. That doesn't change the fact that when Ant is on the court, they are two the, – the Wolves are two points per – 100 possessions better, they're 104.6. As a team, they're 106.6. And Ant, among all five starters, has the best rating as a defensive defensive rating among all five starters. Um, And some of that, yeah, you could say it's all rotations or whatever. And and when Cat and Rudy play together, you're going to have some variation defensively there because of that inherent flaw to some extent. Mm -hmm. But and has been with the has been the, the guy who hung around with the second unit and then he hasn't been the guy who hung around with the second unit. Sure. Uh, so he's he's been with the starters and he's been with the blend. He's been the starter with the blend. And it comes down to the fact that we used to be able to identify, in fact, that's one of the reasons I wrote what I wrote at the beginning of the season about is is subtle, but significant flaws we would see it and yet even now i mean i'm not going to totally say he's a perfect player he'll get beat on the baseline every now and then back door uh but he has cleaned up his peripheral vision and awareness which was the thing that i was most concerned about could he actually stay in the game mentally as a team defender and the fact that the Wolves have to do switching and uh, zone as well as, you know, everything else they do on man ball defense, uh, he's been a very consistent defender this year. In addition to, and he hasn't lost that ceiling where if you want and to go get somebody for a couple of possessions, mm-hmm. he's, he's probably the best on ball defender on the team when so challenged. Uh so, you know, and that includes Jade McDaniels, in my opinion, because he Ant doesn't follow as much. True. So, you know, I and and uh if the if he's not on the court, the wolf scored ninety nine point eight points per hundred possessions. That is seven five points lower than the worst offense in the Portland Trailblazers right now. That that's the really glaring part of, of that statistic and it's why i'm like oh that might be part of the reason why the difference it's obviously part of the reason why the differential is so big and it's what we should be thinking about tonight or kind of going into this weekend we're sure. assuming Ant's gonna miss this thursday game against utah but maybe uh saturday against charlotte as well and 
the offense is thus going to be tested to do and be uh, more than it is. Let me grab our first break, but then I want to I want to talk about who starts and like what that sure. what that all looks like. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Falling Knife Brewing Company, and with games on Thursday and Saturday this week, the Saturday game is like a four o'clock game. I feel like that's kind of a perfect time to afternoon brewery session you know go and watch the wolves there uh against charlotte obviously falling knife plays all the games on their tvs uh with the sound so if you listen to this on thursday obviously got the game to check out there on thursday night but but saturday might be fun as well and they wanted me to let you guys all know that they have uh that rectangle pizza truck that has like a residency there so tuesdays through thursdays uh the rectangle pizza truck is there from five to nine and now on the weekends Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four to nine. So again, for that Saturday game, there will be a rectangle pizza truck there. So you can drink and eat. Falling Knife doesn't have like a kitchen kitchen per se, but they have uh, these these trucks there to give you the opportunity to spend an extended period of time there, hanging out, watching the wolves, having some beers and and eating food. So yeah, uh, Detroit just, pizza. Detroit, we've, we've broken this down before. <laughs> Detroit yeah. pizza is like Chicago pizza, only even deeper. <laughs> we, we, I guess we still don't know exactly <laughs> what the what the definition is. But many people, when we were referring to it as Chicago pizza, correct? No, 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 no. Detroit pizza is a little different. Yeah, well, the, the, the <laughs> listeners will have to go. But anyway, it's good. <laughs> it's good we'll pizza. We'll have to go try it out. Um, okay, so following knife uh, this Thursday night uh, or this weekend, check that out. We're, uh, we love that following knife is uh, creating a wolves community there. All right, Brett, um, let's, let's talk about what this looks like. No ant tonight. Um, he's listed as doubtful, mm-hmm. which, you know, anybody else. You never is, know that, right? You really, you really, he just might make an executive decision, but let's assume, uh, let's assume that, that he's out. Um, what is like, who is in the rotation? Do you right. add any additional person and and who starts? Uh, that's a good question. I think that if, I mean, un, if you're going momentum-wise, you'd have to say that Troy Brown and Naw are the two guys that are, you know, the traditional three starters, Cat, uh, Mike Conley, and Rudy, and then alongside them, Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Troy Brown Jr. Um, I don't think you are disrespecting Shake Milton by having Troy Brown Jr. start over him. Uh, If Shake Milton is honest with himself, he would say if the shoe were on the other foot, he would feel like he deserves to start. Shake Milton has not been shafted. Chris Finch has had a pretty long leash with him. It's very slowly but surely gotten tighter. And the reason it has is because he's in his own head. It certainly looks like he's in his own head too much. He's short-arming shots. He's making passes that are betrayed by a lack of decisiveness. Um, he's His judgment is off, I think, at the moment because he's kind of understanding that he's not playing well and beginning to question himself on the court. And also he's one of those players that is an aggression-oriented player. One of the things that Finch liked about him when I talked to him preseason in that long interview was his decisiveness and willingness 
and ability to get his own um, when Rudy's on the court or whatever. And that has betrayed him. He's looked uh, clumsy. He's uh, he's had line drive shots. He's not that accurate right now. Uh, about the only argument I can think of to um, to have I have Shake. an argument. Okay. I think Shake should start. Um, and I'm basing it off of the fact that that's where he played his best basketball last season in such a similar situation. He always started when James Harden was out. Uh-huh. And Shake's numbers last year, just when he came off the bench, 6.4 points per game, 2.1 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 50% from two, 36% from three. When he started 11 games in place of James Harden, 20.3 points per game, five rebounds, 7.2 assists, 56% from two, 41% from three. He might be one of those guys, man, like that giving him at least we have that to point to from last season uh-huh. that he what is that type of guy that you can give the bigger role to is probably not good enough to be a starter, but has some of that game to be a starter where given the opportunity could do could do that. And I know I see you shaking your head over there. And I'm no, not, I don't shake, I, I'm not shaking my head. I, I do think that um here's my only counter argument to agree with well, you. That, let's be clear. There's a million there's 17 games of counter yeah, argument where Shake right, Milton has not right, looked right. above solid. But even more any- than that, I think that the way Kyle Alexander has played on offense recently having both Shake and Kyle Anderson in the game at the same time okay. uh, is I, I would be, if I'd be in favor of uh, staggering those guys. I don't, I don't think right now they're good together on the court. Wait, it, staggering Shake and Kyle Anderson. Oh, from spacing Shake and Kyle Anderson. I thought you said Keel at first. You actually didn't yeah. mess that up. My ears messed that up. No, it's okay. No problem. So I think slow-mo uh, for whatever reason, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm a, I'm a conspiracy theorist on this. I think he's got something wrong with his eyes. You know, uh, it, just the way he's shooting and the way he's turning down threes. Uh, he was a willing three point shooter last year, and teams are now leaving him wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, he he bricks them pretty badly. Uh, he's still disinclined to shoot. Where he can shoot well is near sightedness. You know, right around his floater still works okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so. If Shake is clanking and Slomo is clanking on the court together, and you don't have Ant to bail you out, and it isn't Cat's night, I'm gonna stagger those two then. Uh, I would Shake and Shake and Kyle. That's what I mean. So if that's an argument. Either start, in other words, don't go with the lineup I suggested because that does bring them both off yeah. the bench, kind of at the same time. Uh, maybe start Slomo. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's what will happen. Uh-huh. I, I think we've just kind of seen that pattern from Finch and the trust. And last year there there was there was a lot of that. And I think that makes sense. You know, start Kyle at the three, start Nikhil at the two, Mike at the one, obviously the bigs there. I just am like, all right, you scouted, liked, lauded Shake Milton in the offseason and, right. and that signing. Why? If it wasn't for this, like if it wasn't for this idea that he can be something bigger and more it's a good point than than his his role because clearly he's not just been like a ninth man you know 
And, right. and, and that is, as I understand it, his pattern in Philly and a lot of people rip doc for this, but it just kind of was, it was like, he was in the rotation playing a lot or he was out. He never really had that. Like, again, as I understand it, I could be wrong here, but that ninth man, like least in the rotation, right. Least minutes while in the rotation. And, and we know from having watched the league enough, some guys don't play basketball. Yeah, that's actually that's a, that's a good that's a good point. I I don't know. I I guess it seems like it seems like an opportunity if you really invest in. You're like we are going to play Shake Milton in this rotation all season by hell or high water. Take the risk tonight against Utah to break him out of a shitty start to the season. I, I I think that makes some sense. Obviously, Kyle makes some sense too. Um, you, and you can here's, make the here's what bothers me about Kyle starting. Why I initially went Troy Brown. Um, this team really misses a backup point guard. Mm-hmm. J Mac is really missed on this team. Sure, and I think that's actually one of the reasons why the disparity with Ann on and off uh, is, is so great. Sure. Is because Ann is, I mean, Ann is third on the team in assist percentage. Uh, behind uh, Conley and Slomo in that order. Ann is a willing passer, and he's also a very good passer. It wasn't the first thing that I was going to mention when you asked what was the most impressive thing, mm-hmm. because I think we saw some of that, especially in January of last season. Uh, but I do think that he is a playmaker when he's on the court. So to bring Slomo and Conley – um, Conley's minutes are precious. They overplayed him last the other night. Um, you really want to make sure he gets only five or six minutes in the first quarter, I think, so you can save him in case he gets close late. But I do think having slow mo and Conley on the court at the same time is using a precious resource with redundancy. Uh, I would much rather have those guys staggered. I think. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's going to be some natural staggering and it's going to be right. rotated. And Utah's going to have a lot to do with this and the tenor yeah. of the game and all this other stuff. Yeah. It, it just, it might be a couple games. So like, I don't know if we'd be spending as much time on it. If it was just like, Oh, it's just going to be tonight. And then Nance going to be back, which, which could be, which could be the case too. Um, I'm just, I'm just curious in that it could be an opportunity for like some pecking order definition. Right. Uh, it, uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And like, it gets Kyle back in some of a rhythm. It breaks shake out of this, or it just re like, you could really assert that like, yeah, we're about Troy Brown. Now we've seen these last few games, like he's in the firmament. We're going to start him here in, in ants absence. I'm just kind of, it'll be interesting and telling as to where Finch is in his head about like kind of the, the bench guys, you know, which is the biggest concern about this team right now. And uh, other people have said this. I'm, I'm not. Uh, this isn't new information. But if you regard Troy Brown Jr. as this year's Torian Prince, and then you think back to the way Torian Prince was used, Finch was kind of loath to start Torian Prince because he liked what Torian brought off the bench. He brought movement. He brought hustle. But who started when Ant got hurt last year and yeah. made eight threes in New York? <laughs> Shake Milton. No. <laughs> no, I know. It, it was. But that you have to admit, 
that was an outlier game. Torian Prince will never make eight threes again in his life and hadn't before then. But he had the balls to take them. He yeah. had the, he had the like willingness to like vacillate into a higher usage player and and, and, and take those shots. I'm just saying like that's that's part of plugging a bench guy into a starter role. You either want the guy to be like, all right, you're the lowest usage dude in the bunch or here's your chance. Go be a starter. Go okay. get 20. All right. Know? So so do you want the guy who uh Basically took two shots the other night, and I'm screaming, no, no, no. And they both go in. One was a three with 90 seconds left, and another was a tough layup with 30 seconds left. Uh, that was Troy Brown Jr. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for a guy who uh, has a lot of confidence in himself right now, I don't know. I don't know how many of those line drives are going in tonight if yeah, it's Shake Milton. You know? Yeah, no, I – I, I think you understand where I'm coming from. I am definitely, and I, I actually did say before. I think that's a good point, and it's smart. And players are creatures of habit, and mm -hmm. uh, if you want to give Shake Milton yet another break, this is one of the biggest breaks you can give him because one of the things that happens when you start versus sit is you have a new slate in your mind. You say, "Okay, I'm starting." This is my my mindset tonight. My mindset is different. And Shake Milton could use a mindset reset, you know? And so uh, that's another argument for it. Um, and not for nothing, I, th I think that um, you, I think that guys like Sexton and uh, uh, Clarkson can be bullied. And sure. so, um, you know, having a, a, you know, a big mm -hmm. uh, combo guard back there like Shake also wouldn't hurt in terms of the way the Wolves play D tonight. Um, probably the bigger question is just like, where do you get team offense from? Like you said, sub right. 100 offensive rating with, with ants off the floor. Uh, I think Jason and I were kind of talking about this yesterday where I was, I kind of just did the simple connection of like all right you just run the offense more through cat and you do like you just lean into higher usage for that and jason's like i don't know if you like you, you might be setting yourself up for failure there in that you're forcing it to cat like just continue to pay, play through the flow and expect cat to you know kind of naturally rise to the top as the best here's what would worry me about that what okay. would worry me about that is that if you Cat is going to put two and two together. If the game plan is okay, Cat, we're running the offense through you. You know what Cat's going to do when he hears that. You think those wayward lobs and and dishes to Rudy now are unwise? Wayley starts whipping the ball around as as like the new playmaker on the team. Um, I I if, if cynical. Well, uh, I've got a, I've got many years of watching Cat. Yeah. be the guy on offense. Um, what I would rather say to Cat is you're our guy. You need to go get 35 tonight. You know, I'll put on my Shaquille O'Neal hat, you know, and basically say he's got to get, you know, he's got to get 30 if they're going to win. Okay, so you're saying be a scorer, not a be playmaker. Be a scorer, not a playmaker. Exactly, which Cat can do. If one, you know, one thing you know about that dude, he can score when he puts his mind to it. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm with Jace and like just play through the flow. You know, let's 
and 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 yeah, there's gonna be those break breakout moments or whatever you need. Like Ant gets you the eleven straight points to start the third quarter, and like maybe nothing about the Golden State games where like half of the third quarter was like Conley Towns two man game. I think you can find those five, six possessions in a row situation a couple times without this game feeling like the game when you tried to get Cat 60 against the Spurs. Yeah, and you know? Utah is not – I mean, they don't have Markin, who's their best player. And um, they are not world beaters with Markkinen. Uh, I think they look much – you know, obviously we caught them on an off night when they came here last time. Um and got beat by 30 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem like they're much more comfortable rebuilding this year than they were last year. And uh, so you can probably stick with the program, keep the momentum, keep your systems in place, win with defense and transition, uh, whatever. It does sound like Walker Kessler is now becoming a bigger part of the offense i thought that was bewildering that you took your best young player and decided to make him irrelevant uh, in that last game uh i think that if kessler is in the low block more often they're a more formidable team mm-hmm. um and i just think that they'll probably put up a better game tonight certainly i would think so than they did the last time um I mean, the Wolves should win this game, and they should win this game fairly handily. They should actually win the next four games fairly handily. Uh, you know, it's always but up. to do so, you're going to need to have figured out how to play at a significantly higher level without Anthony Edwards. Because yes, yes, I would say well, at least one of those games you're not going to have him. And yes, I don't think exactly. we have to find what that looks like. I don't know if we know. I agree. I agree. What that is and. And but I think it is should we and, and your argument, and it's not a bad one, is that the flow will determine it. Mm-hmm. I worry that we are going to be relying on whether or not um up and down performers on offense like Rudy Gobert and Nikhil Alexander Walker have it that night. Uh I can see Rudy. You know, I could see a three for nine from Rudy uh, with three turnovers against Walker Kessler. And, you know, that's that's going to be uh, gruesome if that happens. Uh, I can see Naw missing his first couple of shots and getting in a funk. And then, you know, you rely. I mean. Uh, okay. But the so, okay. I, and, and I don't disagree with that. I'm just devil's advocate here. Yeah. Like yeah. the alternative is, like you said, put your shack head on and say go get me 35 carl where does he get 35 that probably is more post-up opportunities correct no i think he starts from outside and then does the up fake drive thing okay i would so, always i would always start cat on the perimeter okay i mean he'll he will get post touches too but but that's fair that's what right. i asked like where's the where's the primary spot i think in either of those spots he's gonna be guarded by john collins and it's going to be just abused last time. Sure. I- exactly. That's why I was kind of thinking the post, but you're going to have Kessler or Yurtsevin's been playing a lot for them too. He's a seven foot big body lurking big at the rim. Like if cats on the post or if cats on the drive, he's going to need to get through Collins 
I'd assume, and then also navigate the big at the rim. And with its Kessler, a really elite shot blocker, which, you know, tempts you into more of those Rudy lab passes, which are gold or crap. Um, And I, I I don't know. I'm curious to see if, I don't think we really, well, I know we haven't seen this because Ant's played. We haven't seen like a go get 35 game cat. Like he's had big games, but But we certainly remember it. It was sure. the, the, it was the Wolves' offense for three years. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so it's, I mean, he he has it. I, we think he's he's back healthy. It'll be a little bit of a different configuration of the offense with with Ant out there. I don't say any of this to mean I know what the answer no, no, is no, or, no, or isn't. I'm just I'm I'm mostly curious to see one it eventually leans into it, and two what Cat's able to do with that role against a team that I think can defend the rim pretty well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, (laughs) I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. As we look at alternatives, um, Conley missed his last seven trays, but he's been a 40% shooter for three years. And... um, is smart enough. Mike Conley can always get open for three. I don't doubt that in terms of quote unquote, getting your own shot. Mike Conley is pretty brilliant at either using the, the his classic move is the high step back, pick and roll mm-hmm. with uh, Rudy, but he's also good at weaving and then stepping back out uh, with on the dribble. Um, and he's good at straight pick and roll going to the weak side. Um, as the third man, I think he'll get points 
I think that either Shake will be Philadelphia Shake or Troy Brown will be the guy whose constant movement and internal momentum gets him some garbage and gets him some uh, backdoor cuts and everything. I think they could fill in. Um, I worry where I worry is too much on Naw and too much on Rudy. Yeah. I think one way to account for that is to direct more offense to Nas. Oh yeah. Nas. Well, I mean, and we haven't even talked about the three bigs, which I, you know, I asked the question, but you were the one that prompted the question in me that I asked Finch after the game, because you asked me at a point, do you go with the three bigs? It was a logical idea except that I think that, okay, I told you after a pregnant pause, nah, no, you know, <laughs> but it was because OKC's ball movement is so good. Well, and, and, yeah. and the three bigs, I'm not sure Utah's ball movement is that good. No, it's not. They don't have a, a you know, I mean, they relied on marketing a lot like the Wolves rely on Ant. Yeah, that's true. I, so the, the reason I said it, it was like, Cat was out for like the whole middle of right. the fourth quarter and Troy Brown's kind of rolling there. So it was like more of a delayed pause until Cat got back uh, into the game and, you know, Finch calls a timeout and you know, Cat's coming back in and it was Rudy, Nas, Troy, Mike and Nikhil on the floor. And like the two guys that were going right then were Nas and Troy. And, and I was like, you know, you probably want to leave maybe <clears throat> both of them in. You could at least make a case for Nas. He had like just had that back down of Shea and Absolutely. put that, put that right hand hook shot in on the right block. So that that's why I, <clears throat> I thought about it. Cause Ant wasn't even obviously Ant couldn't play. Ant was out, out right, of the right. game. I don't think the three big thing makes sense outside of like bit pieces here and there when Ant is playing. I think it makes sense to consider in situations when you need offense, when Ant is out of the game, you right. know? And so maybe to that end, that's why I don't think they'll, he'll start with it, but could you get, you know, midway through the second quarter and Utah's up by four and it's just a product of your right. offense not going like, I don't know. Your three, your three bench guys today are going to be some combination of Nas, Kyle, Shake and Troy, right? Like, who's your best offensive player of that? Or who's the one who can get hottest? It's not right, for sure. Right. Like give you right. that boom. Um, and to that end, like you might have to consider that at, at at some point here. And I'm just like, in general, I feel like I've been talking about this too much, but like just a little underwhelmed by Nas's utility in the offense. He's just a little too much uh, spot up three point shooter for my taste, given given his skill set. And I wouldn't say it's that big of a deal if we didn't have this looming sort of issue of the offense, not overall being mediocre and right. being really no, bad when, when, when Ant's off the floor. I thought about the sum in terms of the three bigs. I think San Antonio is the place to spring that. Okay. I think that that would be a good matchup. Vassell being the, you know, can you, can you guard Vassell? out on the perimeter that way. But um, I think 
the more I think about how well Nas and Cat have begun to be comfortable in space, especially when you could zone and switch. Mm-hmm. Um, Which you could I probably think, do all of these next four games. Exactly. You know? But especially, again, I mean, you got Wemby. You know, you don't want to deal with Wemby and Rudy unless Wemby's on the block, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that you could, you could chase Wemby with switching bigs that aren't Rudy necessarily out there. Sure. Um, especially if Zach Collins is alongside him. But anyway, I, I, what I like, I mean, what, what kind of the sub theme of this pod is about is we talked about at the beginning of the season, it's less true now, but this is a deep team. It's a good roster, a deep roster. Well, here we go. No Jaden, no Ant, no J-Mac. Uh, those are all guys who give you very specific things on offense that uh, are important. Now, Ant, obviously, by far the most important. But J-Mac's pace and playmaking and Jaden's uh, safety valve decision-making are very important to a high-functioning offense, too. And the fact that all those things are absent now um, begins to get into, all right, if, if slow-mo is, if for some reason, he doesn't have confidence in his shot right now, especially from deep. Um, Can I say something on that quick? I didn't, yeah. I didn't say before. That happened all the time in the Memphis years. I just pulled it up when you are talking about it before. Like, the frequency with which he shot threes – went up and down year to year. And I know we can point to the glass, like he's taking the glasses off and all that. Right, I'm right. not saying that's not a factor. Right. Historically, he's been a, am I feeling my shot? I'm going to keep taking it or I lose confidence in it. And I trust my little fidget spinner game to the basket, you know? Right. Um, and and right. so I, I don't, we, we should ask Kyle about that. It's kind of a hard question to ask. Yeah. Should, I mean, and I don't think he's going to answer it honestly. Uh, yes. Um, uh, and, and, my only counter to that is he ever shot 18% for a season from me. Uh, honestly, probably. <laughs> you think so? Uh, well, I didn't know. Uh, 20, 28. Right. Well, still, that's not good. All right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. maybe maybe you're right. Maybe the last season was a huge outlier. Um, well, it, it literally was. Uh-huh. His three-point percentages for his career by year, 30, 38, 37, 34, 28, 29, 36, 33, 41 last year and and 20 20 this year i mean some of those years this earlier years he just wasn't taken very many of them and so i always say like three point percentage is not your 2k rating from from three you know but exactly it's it's so much i'm it's an interesting topic to me like bigger picture because i mean we were talking about it during the okc game when it was the shake and kyle minutes what was that like it was late third after ant got hurt and i'm like dude there's no spacing out here because the book's out on like i i don't know i feel like you get scouted more meticulously when you're a really good team teams know that kyle's not shooting them this year and that shakes not confident and especially i mean if you have a really good team you search for vulnerabilities Mm -hmm. and you also i mean like what team isn't thinking about attacking the nuggets when Jokic is off the floor i mean that that's like scouting 101 mm-hmm. and so what team isn't going to say all right when ant sits how can we we 
just totally throttled this already depleted mm -hmm. offense, you know? Right. Um, and one of the ways would be let's shake and Kyle Anderson shoot. Mm -hmm. What, uh, I mean, so you mentioned into the preseason with 11 man rotation, right? Kind of knew right. that was going to get pared down. Sure. Um, two bodies and the two bodies that got paired out pretty much were J Mac and, and Troy Brown jr. Uh, but, so you go from that 11 and now tonight you have no ant, no Jaden, no J Mac, you're down to eight. Are they just going to play eight? And if, if you, if it was a ninth, I don't know, like who would the ninth guy be? Well, I mean, I think that coming into the season before summer league, there was hope that Josh Minot could be a combo forward. Um, that hasn't happened to my satisfaction. Um, he also hasn't played yeah no i know but i meant you know he, he, their he, satisfaction he, he did not look yeah. ready to play small forward in summer league i mean he they were a, a loose team on purpose in some way they were trying to get wendell moore to play the point they were trying to get leonard miller to be you know bouncing around mm -hmm. uh they were not like a, a a bully ball low post team in that way they were running a lot what about wendell tonight Huh. Well, I mean, what? Yeah. Okay, let's go through the, the the options are Josh Minot, Wendell yeah. Moore Jr. I, I mean, who, I just think it's wasted minutes. Yeah, I, I'm not, and and maybe the answer is just eight. I'm just saying, yeah, I mean, uh, nine. And I actually think uh, of all the options we have, um, Leonard Miller is not a bad option. Like this, yeah. yeah, I mean, he, I guess he. I would rather see him in the game against this team with its length than Minot, unless you could get into uh, one of those. If you if if you played Minot with Troy Brown Jr. and uh, if you played like one of those chaos lineups, Nas, you know, maybe yeah. at the center or something, uh, that might work. You know, if you played uh, old Iowa Ant style and, and you're flying around, um, I can see Minot being there. But if you're playing, if you want to keep your sets, I think that Leonard Miller has a chance to be, uh, you know, then you, you keep Kyle at the three and you play Leonard Miller, you know. I don't know. I, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I, I Unfortunately, I think it's a lot of – interesting answers but none yeah, I, I really yeah. love you know what i'm saying uh, exactly all i'm saying is i mean not to be a jerk about it but i don't think wendell miller more wendell moore is uh, uh an nba player i don't and and i've been saying that for a while now and the um he's unfortunately making me look smart right now i think he is what in baseball is called a quad a player a guy who shines against lesser competition, uh, but when called upon to be um, uh, NBA top caliber player, simply d doesn't have the skill set. I think he's a smart player. I think he knows what should be done on the court. Um, the ninth man job, Britt, when you have three players down, might be that of a reliable quad A player. Well, I think that the Wolves are talented enough and on a trajectory of wanting to compete mm -hmm. that those are precious minutes for Leonard Miller 
and or Josh Minot too. And I'd rather see their development get bumped along. Yeah, but I think, no offense, but I think that's like old school Wolves thinking. Like I think you're saying I'd like to, I'd be intrigued to see where their development is and using those minutes as development. And you, should you be doing that when you're 13 and four or you should be, or should you be choosing the if most? you have an automatically option? better alternative? Yeah. No, and yeah, you're saying the automatically better alternative no, no, I'm not, is not a player. I, 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 I'm just bringing it up. I don't know. I, I, I'm not. I'm not sitting here saying I think it should. For, it's it's actually really similar to the whole shake thing. Uh, yeah. Up higher in the rotation, where it's like, yeah, well, I don't love way. that answer either. But if if maybe. Shake Milton can give you twenty six good minutes and Troy Brown Jr. can give you twenty six good minutes, then you, you don't play need eight. Play. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 probably the answer. That's probably the answer. It's just a, it's an interesting thought exercise to say if it was to go nine. Who would it be? And it's not a back-to-back. -back. They play Thursday night, and then they head to Charlotte for Saturday. They have a yeah. really wonderful schedule. You talk about a break in the season. Yeah, it's because uh, they've, they've had a hard schedule, man. They have. But, I mean, not only – they have actually had a good schedule in terms of opponents' uh, rest advantage and disadvantage. That's true. Uh, uh, and they have just phenomenally great rest advantage here. I mean, they play tonight. Then they play Charlotte on Saturday afternoon, and they don't play again until what? Wednesday or something? Tuesday? It, well, that's when Wednesday is the Wemby game. Yep, yeah. Right. Plenty I mean, of time for Ant to get back. Three or four days off before you play San Antonio, and then a couple days off before you play Pretty Memphis? Good. Yeah. I yep, mean, you know. No, that's, that's a good point. Um, those are four games. Those are four of the eight worst teams in the NBA. I think we talked through this. I think the answer is eight. Just go eight tonight. Okay. Right? Like, I mean, no, no, <laughs> I, 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 because no, no, of that, no, no, because no, of that no. reason. I, I think you, that's... you are, you are, uh, your mind works in theoreticals more naturally than mine. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's uh, let's move over to Rudy. Um, obviously, uh, we've been talking about him so much uh, over these, like I guess, just all season. But um, I, I want to talk with with you about it here, just kind of for for the last segment. And sure, defensively, what we're we're seeing with this team. Uh, I mean, you you asked him a handful of different questions. Uh, after the the Oklahoma City game, I can just sit next to you, listen to your questions, like. You have a fascination this season in what I think is the fascinating part of, of Rudy's defense, which is 
how many different ways he's he's playing defense and uh, being asked to play it, agreeing to play it, and and doing so. Um, you know that that Sacramento game, uh, I wasn't there, but I, I watched it the the day after, um, and that was like the the one that was the time, first game, yeah, that I was like, that damn, Rudy. It, but I was just like, you got to get out there in the pot. They're running that like yeah. Spain stack action, whatever. It was and Rudy too, wasn't too fast. Up. I mean, they, yeah. they, the Wolves had been riding pretty high and uh, Sacramento, it was, I mean, it was the, the Phoenix loss was a rest loss, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, an overtaxed loss. Um, Sacramento, as weird as it sounds, was a trap game. I, I really think that they did not think that the Kings were that good. And I've been watching the Kings when De'Aaron Fox plays for them. And they are a really good team. Uh, They're a lot of fun to watch. And they came out with like vintage Spurs, like ball movement, you know? Uh, And I think that that just, the Wolves mentally were not ready to play that game in the first or second quarter. You know, maybe that's on Finch. Uh, But I think that, they lost that game in the first half. They they came back from twenty two down, but the yeah. Kings, are you know the Kings were number three seed last year. The Kings mm-hmm. regard themselves as a really good team, and and they're not going to be flustered by that. Um, but to your greater question, um, they have Rudy. Whenever the Kings come to town, Rudy is thinking one thing: this guy Sabonis and I beat the shit out of each other. And that's what's going to happen this time, you know? And so Rudy's not thinking about, hey, I got to go guard, you know, four or five, what's this guy's, you know, shooting from 20 feet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, we're doing the, I guess, classic Dane and Britt thing of like, <laughs> everything's been awesome except for this one thing. And this is what we're going to talk about is the the one thing. I just mean that to be like, man, the thing I've been like most wowed by uh, with Rudy is the diversity of defensive coverage. Absolutely. And and that was the one where it was like, hey, need a little bit, need a little yeah. bit more from you there. And I think in, it's it's the pop game, but it's it's particularly the pop game against uh fast ball movement and when multiple bigs can pop. Like they were running kind of like you know that like hornsy V thing that the, yep. that the wolves run or there was Spain pick and roll and Rudy was staying back deep there and it was pop 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 and he wasn't getting all the way out there um which is why i thought it was very encouraging to see how aggressive he was on the perimeter against chet in the oklahoma city game defending against the pop honestly whether it was man like it was in the first half or even when it was i mean rudy's ability to contest the perimeter in that oklahoma city game while in the center position of a two three zone I, I honestly, man, I've never like that doesn't happen in basketball. You don't normally ask the big to do that, but that's like the that was the perfect example of me to me of where Finch has been like, we're letting our great defensive player freelance and do stuff that you wouldn't normally empower a defensive right. player to do. Like he's drawn the comparison to with Drew Holiday when he coached him in in New Orleans. Like Rudy can do it. It's just weird. He's got to want to do it in his head. He has to think like, this is the right thing for me to do. Like Finch can suggest it and push it or whatever. But when 
when what Finch wants to do and what Rudy wants to do defensively is the same thing, lights out. Like right, and and I think some of that is the quality of the locker room. I think that Rudy is no longer a tolerated presence on this team anymore. And I think it's because he has earned Chris Finch. I mean, Chris Finch, Chris Hine, who you had on Monday. Yeah. Wrote, wrote, I thought it was an excellent piece that he wrote in the strip. Uh, I've written about it a lot, but I haven't gone to the sources specifically Elston Turner and uh, some of these other guys. And I haven't, you know, I've talked to Rudy about it. I've talked to Finch about it, but I just thought it was put together really well. Yeah. And and the part that I really enjoyed about it was that just the flat-out statement that Rudy's movement allows guys like Ant and Conley or whoever, the smalls, to play on ball more confidently. That is one of the reasons Ant has improved so much on defense and one of the reasons why I think that relationship is an easy relationship now. I mean, when Rudy and Ant talked about each other last year, you could feel the tension in what they were saying. They were choosing their words carefully. Ant wasn't ragging on Rudy's shirt, you know, or whatever, you know. I mean, you wouldn't have that ease. And that's because everybody kind of acknowledges that Rudy Gobert is an old dog learning a tough new trick and everybody is benefiting as a result of that. And that's great for the locker room. It's been tremendous for the Wolves' defense. And it gives you your best offensive player and arguably your best defensive player a bond that is crucial. So, you know, I'm credit to Rudy. And I've ripped Rudy plenty. I mean... I was very disappointed by Rudy's play last year, and I just gave up on the trade. I, I would have been fine with me if they broke that up. Uh, the fact that they didn't, I think kudos to Conley and Finch for keeping the faith. And, you know, Dell Demps and the others and the big Rudy guys in the front office. But also tribute to, to Rudy for, for being able to adapt at, at a time when he could have pulled, you know, he could have pulled the prima donna thing, which was what he looked like last year. You know what I noticed last year? They called him when we were asking questions about him or you just heard him talking. They called him Rudy last year. And this year they call him Big Roo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, like that's not, having an that's not nothing. I know. That's, that's right. not yeah, nothing, that's dude. Like, I yeah. agree. Couldn't it, agree more. It's uh it's like Conley had to be bite bite sooner or later, right? <laughs> <laughs> to the Conley point, though, it's kind of the, the Mike Conley theory of takes a year with Rudy. Yeah, yeah, you're you right. Know? Like that just keeps, I think, in so many different ways uh, playing out. And, uh, you know, on the other hand, I do think that the bigger difference is that in Utah, uh, it takes a year to learn how to play with Rudy. It doesn't take a year for Rudy to learn how to play with others because Rudy hadn't done that. You played Rudy's way in Utah, yeah. and if you didn't, you were Donovan Mitchell, and, and things had to change. Mm -hmm. uh, Want to hit on anything else in particular? I mean, it feels like it's been a long time since we've 
we've chatted on here. I mean, me and Jace did a lot of specifics from the Oklahoma City game yeah. uh, yesterday, but anything bigger picture that we didn't touch on here? Well, um, I mean, I'm always thinking about the league in general. And yeah. um, first of all, um, the there's some, the Orlando story right now is really fun, you know? And I think, I don't understand why, well, I do understand why they're small markets and they're they're not uh, showmen. But guys like Daniel and Mosley are not getting enough press. They're not getting enough flowers for what they're doing. I mean, these guys, OKC's roster and the Magic's roster uh, are overperforming their talent. And um, that is good coaching or great they coaching. They just do what – I mean, that, that's just like – what. It, it, and granted, it took Oklahoma City like a while to figure out the Wolves' zone, right, the second right. half there. Right. But then they did at the end of the game, and it felt like just watching it – obviously, I wasn't in the huddle. Right. It just felt like the players just did exactly what Dagnall told them to do in right. the huddle. You know what I'm saying? Like right. yeah. that is it... well, extremely well disciplined. And yeah. And, There's something and, about and... having young players too, I think, and this goes to Orlando, where you have the like you start coaching these players when they're really young. They really have like undefined like futures in the league. Even you know, kind of just like your bench guy, like a, a Cole Anthony or um like an Aaron Wiggins from Oklahoma City, like right. all these guys that kind of grew with these coaches. And I know Wiggins and Anthony got different roles, but that's I guess that's kind of the point is it's like these guys that weren't stars had to find their way into becoming role players who could blossom into more in the league. And I feel like that just worked. So, is such a product of like the organization putting the coach in place to foster that environment. And you, you watch those young teams that are good. It, it, I, I, and and think of how hard that must have been for Mosley because Jonathan Isaacs and Cole Anthony in their respective roles were regarded as cornerstones. Right. And both of them are now coming off the bench. Cole Anthony was going to be the playmaker, the guy, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, they dumped Fultz. Uh, well, I mean, they got Fultz, and yeah. and, and, and it, it it didn't work out there. And Isaac's well, was Fultz going, is still there. He's just hurt. Yeah, I know. But I mean, in just in terms, of, I I think that they don't need Fultz. It's pretty obvious. To sure. Me. And and yet Mosley will go. Remember that really cool lineup they had last year, where like four of the guys were six ten or bigger. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, just this crazy stuff where Franz Wagner was playing the two. Uh, <laughs> that stuff is, you know, I mean. That team is fun, and that team. Uh, I love the fact that they're they're thirteen and five. They won eight in a row, um, and I wouldn't want to play them right now. I mean, they are when you watch them on you know, league pass, man. You know, Banchero's great. Uh, mm. The Wagner brothers, Bo Wagner. You don't necessarily get it every time, but when he comes off the bench, ready to yeah. play once of every three games. He's a handful, man. He's, you know, the Wolves have seen it. He's a notorious Wolves killer. But uh, he's also a little bit of a jerk, which adds another little tension to the whole thing. Yeah. And and then, you know, I just – I like that team a lot. Uh, and Jalen Suggs, 
coming along. You know, all of a sudden he's 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 been given a chance. It's this classic thing where all eyes are on the you know the high draft pick. They have a disappointing year, and as people begin to forget about them, that's when they begin to internally improve. Those um, stories rule. Yeah, yeah, they're fun. And so you know, hats off if you haven't if you have league pass or. Hopefully they'll be on national TV a little more often. If you have a chance to watch them and you like basketball, they're a really fun team right now. Uh, the Thunder, obviously, uh, I've, I've loved the Thunder now for about a year and a half. Uh, you know, Jalen Williams, I like. I don't see enough. I don't do drafts, and every every time I do do a draft, uh, and a guy I like, and I'm sure everybody has this experience because they do a lot more than me. But Desmond Bain and Jalen Williams are two guys that I just thought, hey, I really like that guy. They'd be good on the Timberwolves. And then they turn out to be really good NBA players. <laughs> it makes you feel, you know, you're ratified, you know. You no, think, all right then, you know. Uh-huh. Good for me. <laughs> it is cool with uh, – I was thinking about this during the, the the Thunder game, and and it's good to put Orlando in this group too. It's like Minnesota, Orlando, Oklahoma City, Sacramento, like we're so bad. A few years ago right and and for that to to turn to the degree that it has is just a um i i'd like that the league can do that right you know and and it, it didn't used to do that like last decade it, it didn't do right. that right. um and and i don't i don't know there's probably a more like existential conversation about drafting and front officing and I, building I an environment but it's cool my take is that uh, lazy front offices are still, or maybe pressure front offices with, with hedge fund owners or people who quote unquote want to win, go to the super team option. And that's become one of the definitions of a super team is that you have established players that have become established stars. That's how you get the super team. Well, by definition, that's an old team. And I think what we're seeing is that age is more important than you think. Mm -hmm. And uh, LeBron is a freak of nature and that super team, you know, Ray Allen was a fountain of youth until he fell off the table. And Chris Bosh, you know, he was great until a weird injury sidelined him. But that is a rare instance, you know. Um, most Can I ask you of the a question? Yeah. Where do you put the wolves in that, like building organically to super team uh, gradient? I guess because they did trade for. Yeah. I mean, I know it's not the typical super team construction right. or whatever, but it has a pretty big element of that in trading all those first four Rudy. I think the audacity of what they were trying to do was uh, I don't put them in the super team category simply because uh, the lazy minds, the casuals in the NBA didn't immediately jump up and down and say, what, a, uh, this team is going to be awesome. You know, uh, I think that when you put a Kevin Durant and a Devin Booker and a Bradley Beal together, every, you know, it's very tempting to go, oh, well, they're going to, you know, they're going to run the table or whatever Brooklyn with what they did. Uh, you know, uh, Dallas with Kyrie and Luca. Oh, you know, you've got to be great. Flippers, uh, yeah. And, and Kat and Rudy didn't inspire that. 
-hmm. And Ant wasn't ready really at the time when they made that deal. Um, so I don't, I don't regard it as a super team move. I do regard it as a splash. And that's a slightly different approach. Mm -hmm. I think that for whatever reason, and I still, at the end of the day, if you put a gun to my head, I wouldn't have made the Rudy deal. That doesn't mean it hasn't worked out really well. But I think that that was Tim Connolly trying to make a splash in a new position, new ownership, you know, wanting to take over, send a message to the old guy who's running the team. That but in a different, different, somewhat sort of different way than like what Phoenix did. with Absolutely. Yeah. It wasn't. It's usually that you're getting guys who they're top 15 players and you get two or three of them together, mm -hmm. even at his best, Rudy was on the fringes of that top 15 discussion and cat even at his best in practice rather than reputation, you know, rather than what he could become was on the fringe of that. You didn't have a guaranteed alpha star. You know, you didn't have like, all right, KD is an alpha star. I would argue Booker is the better player now. But you still had an alpha guy, KD, multiple yeah. finals MVP, you know, mm -hmm. Kawhi and Paul George, you know, guys that are just, uh, you go, oh, they got Paul George, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it didn't, well, the Wolves with Ant and Cat didn't seem one player away from being a contender. Right, exactly. And that's like the whole kind of concept of the super team. And is. that's what's cool about this team now is yeah, that agreed. Uh, they have put together, I mean, Rudy and Conley is a skeleton key. Slow-mo is a skeleton key in his own way. Uh, you have different people now that are unlocking things. Uh, and Rudy's not being stubborn. And Ann is maturing. Uh, I, I, I like, you know, I don't think it's a secret. Anybody who watch the Wolves for a long time. It's very hard not to love this team. I love defense. I love the way they're playing. I love the fact that um, we started this pod by saying that Anthony Edwards' biggest improvement is probably is a teammate, mm -hmm. uh, meaning that he cares enough about the way the team operates to understand the context by which he can be his best. And some of that is age, but some of that is just inspiration. I think he's he began to say, all right, I'm going to be that guy. I just saw a tweet come through. A shoot around is going on right now as Britt and I record this. Uh, so we are obviously not there. And Chris Hine, who is there, tweeted out, Troy Brown Jr. likely to get the nod as the start in, in Ant's place. And John tweeted that <clears throat> Kyle Anderson implied that Ant when they talked to him, wasn't going to Ant wasn't going to play tonight. So I guess just to if people are are listening yeah. to this and bookending that 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 conversation there. Um, like we said though earlier, just because that role is going to intermittent change throughout right, the course right. of the game. And we'll watch, you know, shake, whatever. That that shake slow mo spacing will be a factor, I think, tonight. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. That's a good point. Yep. And maybe it's just more initiation than from shake rather than corner spacing. That's just that. That's what I don't like is when shake is being treated as a corner spacer and it doesn't look like he likes it either. Or it doesn't. Yeah. Look, uh, on the other hand, putting him on the ball 
has not been fun this year. That's true. Yep. <laughs> Sounds like somebody who you would, if things were healthier, you would take out of the rotation for a little while to to put back in. But that's not where they're at. And in reality, like this prop, this team's very unlikely to have seventeen healthy players at a time in any game. Right. That's just and as a final quota for this. I think it was four weeks that J Mac was going to be reevaluated. I think it's been four weeks. So yeah, you know, I saw I saw him pregame running stairs, like okay, at, cool. at Target Center before the the Thunder game. He's it'd be great to have him back. Yeah, be well. It'd be just such a different element of something you can you can plug in. Do you know that his net there. rating as we speak is like plus twenty four. <laughs> sure, of course. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, Check out that, uh, that just if I can plug a couple things here, check out Britt's piece uh, over uh, at Min Post. I think it was uh, proper and maybe a little under-tapped into how how special Ant season uh, has, has been thus far this year and how much, like, that's what I always say. It's like we set these expectations as the, as the season begins, and when something is significantly lower than expectation – we should be hammering that. And when something's significantly higher than the expectation, uh, we should be hammering that too. And I think we've done that with Rudy uh, throughout the course of this year. We should be doing that uh, with Ant as well. So I'd recommend uh, checking out that piece, uh, obviously game tonight. And uh, I will talk with Kyle about what happens against Utah on Friday morning. Again, just another plug to, if you can just hit subscribe on the YouTube channel, if you are doing that, that, that helps us a lot getting that. And then TikTok, Instagram, Dane Moore MBA underscore podcast. All those things, uh, again, help us out. Uh, if, if you can't help by supporting a sponsor or anything like that, maybe you're out of market or or whatever. Uh, any any little thing, uh, we we always uh, do appreciate that. Britt, I will, I appreciate you doing this and I'll sure. see you in a few hours at the game. Sounds good. All right. Uh, until Friday with Kyle, he's Britt at Britt Robson on Twitter. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Until then, peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah